Greetings, exalted podcast fans, CKCC radio followers, and Disney fanatics the world over. I am Chris O'Mealy, and last time I came to you, I ranked my bottom eight Disney Animation Studios films. This is part two. We're going to do 50 to 41, but in exciting news, I decided to actually go ahead and name this show because it's not going to be the only ranking I'm going to do. So I'm going to retroactively go back and rename the first episode. And we're going to call it Chris Ranks the Universe. And now you guys can come up with fun ideas for me to rank. And you patrons out there at patron.com slash club kayfabe, you guys get first crack at what kind of topics I rank. And speaking of patrons, one of them is joining me for this wonderful podcast. You know him as the voice of Real Paranormal Talk and Ranking Tracks, as well as the Cinefan Podcast. He is published author with six works of fiction available on Amazon.com. His name, Jeff Trelowitz. Hey, everyone. Glad to be back here talking about some Disney flicks. And maybe this time you won't get so mad at me. Or maybe you I will. I never got mad. <laughs> well, we've still got 50 movies to talk about. That's true, too. <laughs> also joining me... He is my cohort from the opening team of the Wizarding World of Harry Potter at Universal Orlando, June of 2010. He oh. is New Orleans' favorite son, Mark Adams. Hey, hey, everyone. Hope everyone is staying healthy and having fun. Well, I can tell you one of those things is true. <laughs> I, I don't know about the other I'm one. in quarantine right now? No, yeah. I'm not. Hashtag essential. Yep. It's, it's all about them gloves and them masks for my job. And hopefully, when you guys are listening to this next year, as you're re rediscovering the show in 2021, you're like, oh, they did this during the outbreak. Because <laughs> that's probably what we're going to talk about. But guys, the subject today is the Disney. You all are fans of the Disney, right? Of course. Yeah. We've all, we've all even been, we've all even had paychecks signed by the mouse. Yes, we have. Yeah, the big cheese. Yes, indeed. So what we're going to do today is we're going to go back and start to count back down my choices for movies. And once again, guys, the hate mail is for me, not for them. It's my list. They're just here to, to play along. Was there any hate mail, mail from episode one? No, there was not. Damn. And people, you gotta try harder then. And people listen too. So either you all agree with everything I said or <laughs> you're cowards. Oh. Give it Find to this me. jellyfish. But that's okay because I totally expect some hate mail to come today. So what we're going to do is we're going to count down from number 50 to number 41 for part two. And of the 10 films we're going to talk about today, nine of them I could say a lot of positive things about. It's just that they're down the list because well where else are you going to put them when you like 40 other things more than them so it gets to that we're already in that kind of hard part here but i think that's good that we're already talking about positive stuff because it's it's disney after all but number 50 will be controversial because it is a movie i really don't care for it I don't hate it like the ones in the bottom eight, but I really don't like it either, and it's a popular one, so it's going to be fun to get a little bit of hate mail about this. The others, 
I don't know. Not so much. I guess we'll, we'll find out as we go along. But maybe something will surprise you guys along the way. Are we ready? Should we do this? Should we? Let's do it. Should we kick Let's off? Let's hit it. Let's take right. it to the 11th. Okay. Coming in at number 50 on my list is widely considered to be a favorite Disney movie among a lot of people. This one's popular, and I and don't like it. This was the like from last week, wasn't it? This was the, this was the, uh, the teaser. Yep. That I was going to say something that people were really going to dislike. This, I promise you guys, this is the last truly negative thing on the whole list, but I do not like this movie. Prepare to get your hearts broken. Coming in at number 50, Dumbo. <laughs> I do not like this movie. I do not like it. And I know people are going to be like, how dare you say something hated? About some, one of the most classic pieces of Disney animation. It was Walt's favorite film, for God's sake. You are, <laughs> you are correct. You are correct. And I'll also say this. If you like this movie, I'm not going to tell you not to. I totally understand why people liked it. But I did not. All right, so I'm going to play devil's advocate and ask the obvious question. What about Dumbo did you not like? Well... Let's start with the fact that this movie made me freaking depressed. Oh. This movie has three crucial elements that angered me about a feature-length film. One, the runtime. Yeah. I don't care if it's 1941. A one-hour runtime is not acceptable for a feature-length film. These weren't those little musical short films anymore. This, they, this, they didn't even happen yet. So, Just it, to make sure... Uh... Chris is on the right page. It's an hour and four minutes. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, that four minutes changes everything. Right. How long are the opening credits? <laughs> Answer that oh, for me. That's the four minutes. That's the four minutes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, plus the end credits. Don't forget those. Oh, yeah. So really, you're getting about 50 minutes of movie. Well, no. This is 1941. There were no end credits. We just had the, the end. hey yep. Uh There's... It's a product of its time. So... I can forgive the overtuniness of like the train struggling to get over the hill. It's doing the little engine that could thing, <laughs> but it, it feels out of place considering right before this we had, you know, Snow White and Pinocchio and Fantasia, which got away from the silly factors and focused more on the fairy tale. And I, it's it's weird to say realism on a movie of a of a puppet coming to life, but. I think you kind of understand the direction I'm going there. There was more heart and soul on that one. Uh, the racism I do not forgive. Because 1941 or not. But again, it was a product of its time. That's what was popular. And the Black Crows are what they are. Frankly, I actually think they're entertaining. But at the same time, I'm just like, oh, this is so cringy. But the, the, yeah. the big sticking point is that this movie did not make me feel good when it was done. I don't care that he gets to fly at the end with the crows and they're all excited. The lead However, up to it. Uh, again, to play devil's advocate, while you might not have felt good, think about the most well-known part of that movie is a certain song that will always be associated with Disney. 
there's nothing more positive than when you wish upon a star. But that isn't Dumbo, though. That's yeah, Pinocchio. that's uh, Pinocchio. Oh, d- dumbass! Never mind. <laughs> now Dog that Dog. that would have brought it up a couple of points. <laughs> Unfortunately, the most well-known song that comes out of this is a drunken hallucination about pink elephants, which is probably my favorite part of the movie, actually. So, well, well you yeah. have the very depressing baby mind. But I think probably my favorite song is definitely When I See an Elephant Fly, which unfortunately is from the Black Crows. Yeah, but it's the... It's <laughs> Not also the rock the... band, the Crows in the movie. No, it's all, but it, it sucks because it's the most uplifting thing because he finally flies and he's being accepted. And... I know, but oh my God, Baby Mine. I, that is a loved Disney song and I'm just listening to it going, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. And he just sits there and cries while she's rocking him to sleep. Like, oh, I can't do it. Now, and then for the like live action, they put it with even a darker version of it for the preview. And I'm like, why? Oh, of course they did. Yeah. Now, I haven't seen the live action, but I have heard that if I'm, even if I didn't like the animated, I will like the live action quite a bit. So yes. I, was, I do want to see it. And I'm sure it's quite entertaining, and it looks pretty good. You know, it's got I, it's got the visuals behind it. I will say, I think it is one of the rare Disney live action movies that doesn't just remake it; they actually expanded on it and improved the story. Right, which is what a live action remake should do. Yes, that's why I actually did enjoy the live action Beauty and the Beast. Even though I didn't like it more than the animated, I like okay. some of the story expansions and the the extra lore that they added. But I'm actually good with where you have Dumbo. I think people remember scenes and clips and one or two songs and go, oh man, I love that movie. But if they actually went back and rewatched it, they would go, oh, uh, yeah, that's okay. Uh He's mocked by the other elephants as a newborn. And they call him Dumbo instead of his proper name, which was supposed to be Jumbo Jr. Because he's got big ears. So what kind... This mom elephant is supposed to be like... A part of this... Part of this pack of pachyderms. And they just mock her son. And then... Oh, yeah. And then they're they're all gossipy. (laughs) Which... They're all a bunch of Helen Lovejoys, oh. which is <laughs> which is just terrible. And then, of course, you get the freaking kid with the big ears himself making fun of him while his ears are wiggling. And when they're they're harassing him and throwing crap at him, and the mom's like, "I'm going to defend my kid like an animal does." Now she's the bad guy, and she's going to get locked up and swing her kid to sleep from inside a locked cage while he cries. This you is depressing. What? Talking this film out, I actually think it Dumbo could be arguably one of the most overrated Disney animated movies. And I'm going to stick by that. And I know I'm going to get hate mail for it, but I'm going to stick by it. And I'll let let the letters pour in. Uh, I'm going to get hate mail for mixing up what song that was from. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Send that to Jeff. <laughs> send, but buy his book. Buy his, but buy his books first, and then send him hate mail. Yes. I mean. <laughs> And listen to my podcast because I'm not this. I'm usually better at this. 
<laughs> That's okay. Everybody has a everybody makes makes everybody's got a, a hiccup and stuff. And I think that's also part of like you, you get a lot of your retro Disney stuff mixed up, and you might actually forget that. Like I know a lot of people who didn't realize Sorcerer's Apprentice was part of Fantasia because Disney Channel used to just show it as a clip. So it would be like, oh, Sorcerer's Apprentice, Mickey in the Hat. Everybody knew that. And then people actually didn't know it was from a motion picture that came out in the in the 40s. So, you know, I, I, I get it. It's Plus, we're all getting up there in age. So I, I have quarantine brain. Yeah, exact, it, exactly. It's not the years, Chris. It's the mileage. <laughs> uh, I'll and say something. I so, have quite a few miles on me. I will do some... Uh, some fu- some positive stuff here. I do enjoy Timothy Q. Mouse because yes. he's got he's got that that snappy 1940s salesman voice. Come on, pal. Get up, get up, pal. What's what? He he he's a bit of a he's not a soft hearted Jiminy Cricket. Jiminy Cricket's way better as like a conscious mind here because Jiminy Cricket doesn't doesn't willingly get Pinocchio drunk. He actually tries to encourage him to not do stuff like that. But Timothy Mouse is like, hey, look, champagne in a bucket. Let's drink this. And the hallucination scene is pretty uh, pretty awesome. Oh. Now, yeah. this is also, of all of Disney's early works, though, this is probably where a lot of the racism comes out, which is why another reason why it's low. Like, Song of the South was not banned for Uncle Remus, but people still like negatively associate him as a result because he's an old Southern black gentleman and he's singing songs and everything. We all know it's the tar baby that got that movie banned. Oh yeah. Yeah. But I do have a question with this movie and the racist black crows and everything. And those quote unquote rumors about Walt, is that why this was his favorite movie? Because it's so cringeworthy at times? Or Ooh, you are opening up. I'm not right touching now. that one. Yeah, no. I'm nope. touching it. I'm touching it. Get get the pole. I'll t- <laughs> I'll poke at it. So yeah, the hour long. Once again, thing... let all comments go to Chris O'Mealy. Yes, please. <laughs> Hello. Hi. <laughs> Yeah, you know what? It is only an hour long. That might actually be a saving grace in this point, now that I think about it. Because it's only an hour of bullying, hallucinations, and 1940s racism. So at least it's not killing you with it. But I'll just say this. I've seen everything, including an elephant fly, but if I never have to see an elephant fly again, I'll be alright. At least not this elephant. Yeah. Yes. Until you watch the live action one. Which I'm willing to do, so. Alright. I'm gonna wash my hands at Dumbo now, and let's officially go to positive territory from here on out. For the next Ooh. 49 films, it is more positive than negative, but the next batch of films are only low on the list because they didn't really leave a lasting impression with me. Uh, there's a couple of things about this, but at the number 49 spot will be our final musical feature, The Three Caballeros. The only reason oh. this is lower than any of the other feature films is because it's kind of not a film. And I just couldn't justify putting it any higher than anything else that I watched. But still enjoyable. This one, though, it's really more about the music than anything else. There's not really a lot of... 
substance to it. It's basically still a cultural story with no actual story, just an excuse to probably to visit Mexico and yeah, pr probably to go to Cancun and all that other stuff. But it was a good excuse to get Donald on the main screen and give him some new friends. Of course, uh, Jose Carioca returns. And Panchito kind of starts off with a little bit of an overbearing personality. Mm -hmm. Kind of like a Woody Woodpecker with the zany cartoon movements and everything. But he gets, he does a pretty good job eventually. He warms up. And really, if you're looking for an actual like education on culture of South America and Mexico, I'd prefer, I would say watch this instead of Saludos Amigos because I think it actually does better. I can agree to that. Yeah. Plus it's got, it's got more recognizable characters and everything like that. And the, the actual individual shorts aren't that bad. I kind of feel for Pablo the penguin. He's like, I'm done with Antarctica. I'm going to the Galapagos. <laughs> um, we saw an elephant fly. Now we can see a donkey fly because, hey, Uruguay gets referenced here. We forgot about that on our South American film, but our Mexican film, we can include it for some reason. And we even get a, t a take on how the children of Mexico celebrate Christmas, which I thought was actually forgot. kind of fascinating. Forgot about that, yeah. <clears throat> the best part of the film, though, is when Donald and his friends do go to Mexico. You get the cool cultural music. You get uh, Donald going nuts over singer Dora Lowe's. Every time he sees her, he's got the hearts in his eyes. I hope Daisy's never seen this movie. <laughs> that, that might be the end of that. He's Donald likes some senoritas. And then if, I, I, I will admit that I love this film because, like I said about the other one, you see a different side of Donald Duck. Um, it gives him more depth as opposed to the just I'm going to get upset, Donald. And I, I, I really dug that. Hey, Donald fought the Nazis. <laughs> I always give him credit for that. There you go. Hey, I salute Donald Duck. He's a... Because if it wasn't for him in this movie, this would have been really forgettable. The Three Caballeros yeah. as a whole would have been forgettable if Donald wasn't included. That's no disrespect sure. to the other two characters, but they're not Disney icons. You, they needed Donald to, to get themselves over here, and I think it works. <laughs> Donald actually goes on a drug trip of love. Did you notice that? <laughs> he gets a little too lust-filled. The only thing, the only real negative about the Three Caballeros is that I would rather just go on the ride at the Mexican Pavilion at Epcot than watch this movie again. I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, yeah, it's... I'd rather just go on the ride, yeah. Uh, I I was never opposed to going on that ride whenever anyone brought it up. No, it's fun. It's cute. It's a fun little ride. You're in the Mexican Pavilion. It's got the atmosphere. The uh, the indoor restaurant's got a ton of atmosphere too. You get the music. They do the Day of the Dead. Yeah, it's a it's a good cultural cultural thing. And this and Donald's hysterical in that too because he <laughs> whether he's. Uh, Fawning over senoritas again, or he loses his bathing suit. Which he doesn't wear pants anyway, so I really don't know what the big deal there was, but... Good old Donald. And I like Donald, too. Donald's probably... Of the, the classic Disney characters, Donald's probably my favorite. So... It's, uh... Yeah, when... What was it? Traditions... 
the welcoming class for Disney that they asked which uh, little character figurine I wanted, and I asked for Donald. Aww. Well, everybody around me was like, oh, my God, Mickey, Minnie. <laughs> I just, Donald Duck, please. Hey, my friend Vivian got married at a at the Disney Pavilion. Her reception was at the Grand Floridian, and when they were like, "So for the character package, do you want Mickey and Minnie?" She's like, "No, everybody does that. I want Chip and Dale." So I did the I got to do the electric slide with Chip and Dale at a wedding. Nice. <laughs> so you know, it's fun stuff. I, mean, <laughs> I, I also am pretty sure that they did the Macarena too, if I remember correctly. But oh wow. <laughs> all right so let's move on to film number 48 now i'm a little disappointed that this one ended up as low on the list as it did but i kind of feel like there's no excuse for the shortcomings that it had and that is the 2011 winnie the pooh movie so i said that an hour long feature length was kind of meh but for the 40s it was a little more acceptable for 2011 to put out an hour-long movie at with, with what ticket prices are, even for kids, I think was a big failure. And that's the number one complaint I've seen about this movie, is that it was yeah. an hour long and you were still expected to pay anywhere from 10 to $15, depending on your movie theater. Yep. So, uh, other than that, I don't have too much negative to say. Because it is the Winnie the Pooh characters. I've always been a fan of those characters. But Many Adventures was the defining Pooh film. Uh, the New Adventures TV series was actually pretty cute and entertaining. And it's on Disney+. And that came out when I was a kid. So I, it was kind of a cute little thing. It's, you know, it's, it's your typical G-rated fluff stories for the most part. But it's the Pooh characters. It's all about friendship and understanding and getting along and just living your best life in the woods. Yeah. Uh, but this one, the only thing is, this one didn't really have anything memorable about it. I think this yeah. should, it should have just been I, a home video release. I was going to say, it kind of felt like a couple of episodes of the show they put together, kind of like with um, Atlantis 2, where they were like, oh, we don't want to do the TV series. Let's just put them together and make a movie and call it the second one. Yeah. And I just, I can't agree with you more. Winnie the Pooh, because of its runtime and content, just, I can see why it's low on your list. I think, uh, I do like that they had, they got, they brought in Craig Robinson for Owl and Brad Garrett for Eeyore. Um, Rabbit, Kanga, and Rue's new voices were a little off because they're always changing every time something new comes out. They can't find, yeah. like... Like, Jim Cummings is the definitive Winnie the Pooh now, and then at when Paul Winchell passed away, he also took over Tigger. So, like... By the way, it's, it's Craig Ferguson, not Craig Robinson. Yes. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> I wrote down Craig Robinson. Oh, I was like, wait, that doesn't sound right. Yep, yep, Craig yeah, Ferguson. No. I, was, I was thinking about I'm like, wait, is he talking about Ferguson? Daryl? No, it's not yet. Yeah, it wasn't Daryl. <laughs> It wasn't Daryl from the warehouse. And I'll give a uh, Monty Python alumni, John Cleese. Yes. Um, a shout out. Um, I think he's, he's, he's a, a, he's a narrator. narrator. Yeah. The, yeah, nar the narrator. I'm the narrator. The narrator. Yeah. John, John Cleese is freaking awesome. 
He was nearly headless Nick. Oh, yep. Yeah, John Cleese is... Race extraordinaire Tom Kenny as Rabbit, so... I mean, oh, yeah, that's was Rabbit. That's that's pretty funny. Said. Yeah. Way to upset Disney fans by bringing up SpongeBob. <laughs> Man. So the, thing, <laughs> yeah. the only thing is, there's no... There is no memorable Winnie the Pooh story here, and you can watch so much other better Pooh stuff, whether it's uh, the Winnie the Pooh Christmas special or... Uh, the uh, the Disney Toon Studios put out the Tigger movie, which I've always enjoyed because Tigger just wants to find his family and realizes everyone is his family. You know, heartwarming stuff. I've never seen the Heffalup movie or the the Piglet big movie, but, uh, you know, this just kind of falls in line with those. So as, like, a, a standout thing, it doesn't really do anything. And Christopher Robin needs to figure out if he's British or American already because he keeps switching back and forth and I think his identity crisis is uh, having a problem. By the way, the Christopher Robin live-action movie was fantastic. Yes. I really liked that. Absolutely. Especially the meme with uh, where he finds Pooh in the cover and he goes, it's over, Christopher Robin. I have the high ground. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, what are we going to... Uh, I mean, what is there really to talk about? Christopher Robin can't spell, which is cute for boyish stuff, except he's supposed to be going to school now, so he needs to get his crap in, in order already. Uh, the the misinterpretation of a creature called the Baxen is clever, because that's how the poo, the poo minds work. Um, yeah. Again, why do we always have to focus on Eeyore's tail? I mean, he, him losing it is no longer like a special thing. So it's almost like, you know, you might as well have just had Pooh gotten stuck in the rabbit in Rabbit's house again at this point if you're just going to rehash stuff. I mean, it's kind of like Kenny dying all the time. It just, it happens. Deal it happens, with it. yeah. And Owl's supposed to be so smart, but he doesn't realize that that's Eeyore's tail that he's using as his freaking doorbell. Jeez. Oh, God, this movie's coming back to me now that you talk about it. <laughs> I mean, it's just all the stuff. Pooh gets his honey, Eeyore gets his tail back, and they even... Bring in the Baxen, which I thought was actually kind of a clever twist that, oh, it actually is a thing. But, yeah, there's just nothing memorable about it, so I can't put it anywhere else. However, they do modernize the Winnie the Pooh theme and the Tigger theme. So, <laughs> I have no issues there. And, does everybody, does everybody out there know who my favorite Disney character is? I've mentioned it before, but it is Tigger. So as why, well, as she, well, why wouldn't I be excited to see Tigger? He's in my top five, but he's not. He's probably number two, actually. Yeah. Oh. So, yeah, nothing really, like, oh, negative to say. It's just that it was an... It probably shouldn't have been a major theatrical release. But it was, so it gets ranked, and it ranks poorly as a result. But, oh well, sorry, Pooh Bears. Sorry, Pooh Bear. Oh, bother. Oh, bother. <laughs> well, now that we've all had our smackerel of number 48, we'll move on to number 47. This is one that I think you guys should put in your Halloween playlist. The Ec the Adventures of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. Not necessarily yes. for Mr. Toad, but Ichabod and the Headless Horseman should be in your Halloween playlist. Agreed. Uh, this yep. is the follow-up to the musical film. So this time what they did was they took two non-musical stories and put them together. 
And while I think the Mr. Toad story is okay, it's Ichabod that's the better the better tale. And I know that some of that's my Halloween fandom coming out there because it's the Headless Horseman and all that. But I do think it's a really well done story. Um, it's just that it's two short films, so it kind of falls low on the list as a result of just it what what it is. But they're good stuff, and I I do enjoy the Winnie the Pooh ride, but. Mr. Toad's Wild Ride came first, and every time I see that picture of him handing the deed over to Owl, I'm just like, oh, Yeah. oh. So, Mr. Toad, let's talk about him. First off, he's a criminal. This dude <laughs> is always in trouble with the law. But fortunately, he's got a lot of friends with money, with bail money. Because if it wasn't for that, Mr. Toad would be in jail right now. And somebody answer this for me. How come the animal villains are always weasels in these old cartoons? Why is it always weasels? Does anybody else feel bad for weasels? No. Like, Roger Rabbit, Zootopia, it's weasels everywhere. And poor Mole, he seems like such a good fellow. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love Mole. (laughs) I know. It's great. Now, I'm not that familiar with uh, Wind in the Willows. I'm sure I had to read that in school at some point, but I don't really have any real memory of the actual story but from what i understand it's a decent interpretation although i've heard that live action wind in the willows is really bizarre oh god yeah have you seen that i've never seen it but (laughs) i did because of who was in the cast um where was i i think i was walking i walked by it at at walmart and i don't I just said I had to watch this, and I kind of regret it, but I, I don't, so that I can say I saw it. But yeah, just it's one of those movies you, nothing else is going on, you're quarantined, you have beer, <laughs> and you decide to watch something, watch it. Okay, well I'll keep that in mind. Well, that's a raving review right there. <laughs> I, it, it, if you like awful B-movies, I think you'll dig it. That's what the Matt Stone Trey Parker live-action movies are for. Yeah. Orgasmo! Oh, I love Orgasmo. It's so oh, good. We're so off-topic, but I love Orgasmo. Basketball. Cannibal the Musical. Cannibal the Musical. Yeah. Team America World Police. It's not a B-movie, but it's still great. Yep. Yeah, yeah, this is a Disney podcast, and we're talking about something decisively un-Disney. No. Uh, all right. So Ichabod Crane. Does anybody else feel really bad for this guy? He's a he's yeah. a, he's a school teacher. He's just living his life. He's timid, and he he fears the legend of the headless horseman. But he's a good fellow. He wins the heart of the farmer's daughter, and then some asshole that looks like Gaston scares him <laughs> out into the night and literally sends him to his death because the headless horseman's waiting for him. I feel yep. bad for this guy. And let's just face it, if the guy is related to Gaston, it's a whole family of a-holes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, like, I mean, it could be the same time period. It's yeah, quite it's not possible. Really established when Beauty and the Beast is. Yeah. Maybe it's Baston. The bastard, the bastard son of Gaston or something. Because we all know he didn't get Belle, so... But but just look at him. You know you know with those especially those three triplets that he's balancing on his biceps. You you know he porked them. 
So there's oh no God. there's no doubt there. Hey, this is Disney. We can do this, right? Yep. <laughs> so the only thing that saves the 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 chase scene from being actually pretty scary is the fact that they fill it with a lot of like 1940s cartoon zaniness stuff. Otherwise, you got to admit it's actually kind of because the headless horseman is kind of a terrifying design for a character. Yeah, I mean he's not I the think... he's not the horn king, which is a truly scary looking design. But he's I was I mean, gonna say I, I was gonna put him up there with a uh, Chernabog and the horn king. Yeah, for, he's like, a scary ass design, and I mean the horse has red eyes, and it's all it's all shrouded in black with except for the red cape, and he doesn't have a head. He's got a flaming jack-o'-lantern that he literally whips at the screen. And it's an ambiguous ending because you never actually find out what happened to Ichabod. All you know is that he almost makes it and then all you see is his scarf. And it's just like, so I guess you just got to assume the worst. It's like a rare non-Disney ending. I think if you like the classic tales like Wind in the Willows and Legend of Sleepy Hollow, you probably really enjoy this. Uh, if you're even so, I would say still give it a look. Now, and one of my fun facts um, you brought up, Al handing over or uh, Mr. Toad handing over the deed to Al. I yeah. do enjoy in the animal or the, sorry, the pet cemetery at the Haunted Mansion at Magic Kingdom. There's a Mr. Toad headstone. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fun though. Yeah. All right. Uh let's talk about we're going to move on here. That was 47, so we're going to move on to number 46. Now, this one's low on my list because I've seen better interpretations of it because it's been interpreted dozens of times. This one did okay. Because I had never seen it before, that's probably why it didn't resonate with me. I know if you've seen it as a child, it's usually among your favorites. But if you're like me and you haven't, you kind of put it low. And that would be Disney's interpretation of Robin Hood from 1973. It was kind of hard for me to get past the recycled animation, especially when it was blatantly obvious. But it was done on a budget. And even though Mel Brooks didn't direct it, I <laughs> would still say that I, I had fun watching it. It's low on my list because I'd never seen it before, but I, I can understand how if this was part of your childhood, it would go up top. So, Don't tell me that rooster song in the beginning doesn't get stuck in your head. Alan Adele? Yeah. Yeah, it gets stuck pretty hard. <laughs> And fun fact, they're now talking about doing a live-action one of this for Disney+. Plus. So, like, anthropomorphized animals in live-action? Yeah, because we haven't seen enough Robin Hood movies in general. (laughs) There's, like, one every three years now. I still think my favorite is Robin Hood Men Tights and the Kevin Costner one. I haven't seen the Kevin Costner one, but I heard it was... It kind of just fell under the radar just because it was... A lot of people blew it off as just generic, big-budget, attempted storytelling. But if you look past that, from what I understand, it's actually pretty fun. I actually enjoy that one, and I'm going to say two words that's why you need to see it. Alan Rickman. There it is. Yeah. Ah, I could do that. Two more words. Morgan Freeman. (laughs) 
I love Morgan Freeman, but he won't sell me like Rickman does. So you, you well, already, no, you, you and, and that's why I put him second. And, and <laughs> I'll give a there. shout out to all those classic film lovers. The Adventures of Robin Hood with Errol Flynn. I'm going to age my nerdiness a little bit. I think it came out like a long time ago, like the 30s or something. But that one is a classic little big scale, big set Robin Hood movie. And then you look at the last couple of years, we had the Russell Crowe one Ugh. tanked. We yeah, had the uh, Ed, Taron Edgerton one that just came out tanked. So much potential, but... The tanked. Robin Hood story has been done to death. Yeah. yeah. But I feel like... And that's you why can... I don't think we need a Disney live-action version of it, because we all know the story by now. But, yeah, I'd Actually, say if you're going to watch Anthropomorphized Animals, just watch the animated. I'm going to yeah. nerd myself out a little bit more, too. There's a BBC series called Robin Hood that is also very enjoyable. I've heard of that. So I'll talk about the, the positives here. Um, I think it's fun that uh, Little John is a brown bear and voiced by Phil Harris, who, as you guys know, <laughs> is also blue. So yep. Phil Harris got to be another bear. I like that uh, Friar Tuck is a badger. He's not a honey badger, but... <laughs> So he does care? He does care, exactly. (laughs) And thankfully, they allowed Maid Marian to also be a fox, so that when the romance part happens, we're not interspecies doing anything. So I guess that's a positive there, too. Yes. Uh, Prince John is a terrible villain, but he's also supposed to be a terrible villain because he's a whiny, pretentious thumb-sucking, spoiled mama's boy, and you're just like, oh my god, somebody just smack him. He's he's the Joffrey of the Disney world. He, Damn! Uh, that's, that's brutal right there. Well, well, and he's also kind of Robin Aaron, because he sucks his thumb a lot, and you know if his mom... Never mind, we won't get into that. Anybody who's seen Ooh. Game of Thrones... Anybody yeah, who's seen Game of Thrones... seen Game of Thrones knew I was going with that one. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think my big problem, the recycled animation is disappointing. Like Sir Hiss is just Ka and they reuse all of Ka's scenes, including the hypnotic stuff. And Sir Hiss just isn't as good as Ka. And, and, you know, they do the dance scene, which they ripped right out of Snow White. And that's kind of obvious. And that, when you're watching the recycled animation, you're just like, okay, it's on a budget, but I also can't see past some of this stuff. And then the more you're watching, you're just like, okay, we've seen the story before. There's nothing. They're not doing anything original, and I think that's another thing. And they, they stick very closely to their guns, and that was a big thing for a lot of fairy tale recreations. But we're hitting the 70s now. Disney's starting to get a little more creative. So it's almost a little disappointing that they did stick to so closely to their guns. But it's also I a Disney love, movie. so I do love the um, Vulture guards yes i don't know why i just i find them so entertaining i always got a kick out of the fact that uh in the ducktales reboot in the first episode when you see uh who all of the the billionaires that scrooge meets with are they're all vultures (laughs) and i always enjoyed that commentary so other than the recycled stuff you know it's the story that you get uh robin hood is going after his childhood sweetheart he enters an archery contest, he excels at it, and then Robin and John get exposed. 
they I'm have sorry, to you like said archery contest, and I couldn't help but think of that in tights. Uh, you <laughs> never shot. Yeah. Uh, and Friar Tuck just becomes the uh, he's the pawn because Prince John can't can't get the guys he wants, so he's just like, I'm gonna execute Friar Tuck, and you're like, what did he do? <laughs> it's just done to goad Robin out of hiding. But of course, he saves the day. We get a pretty cool chase scene. Uh, the castle burns and Robin Hood dives into the water to survive, which is exactly what would happen. And then King Richard arrives and he's like, you're a prick. You're going to jail. <laughs> and everyone lives happily ever after. And then he says, it's good to be the king. Oh, wait, again. Oh, wait, God, wait. that's the best. <laughs> it's good to be the king. Patrick Stewart. Uh, love it. Love Men in Tights. Dave, Dave Chappelle. Of course, my favorite in, part. Uh, in Prince of Thieves, it's Sean Connery. So <laughs> there you go. Spoiler alert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the time has passed on that. It's fine. yeah. I, I think I'm safe to say if you haven't seen it by now, yeah. <laughs> Plus, it might get people to watch it going, "Ooh, Sean Connery, Ooh, Tim Sean... Allen Rickman." Okay, I'd watch that. Yeah, so you get past the recycled animation. I mean. Even though it does, it does kind of hurt the quality of the Disney animation, because y'all know how smooth Disney animation is, and the recycledness kind of sticks out a little bit. Um, I could still say it's still better than watching the cereal box 1980s cartoons, even though I grew up with those and loved them. All those ones that were designed to just sell toys were not the best animated. Like the the stills were good, but the, a lot of the motions weren't fluid. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Like, I loved I loved He-Man and G.I. Joe and Ninja Turtles, but if you go back and try to watch them, you'll be like, this is really weird why they made that choice to animate them that way. Because <laughs> they yeah. were just selling toys, that's all. Real Ghostbusters had that same problem. And it totally, <laughs> it totally made me buy a freaking a ghost trap, but that wasn't the point. <laughs> It, the animation didn't have to be good. It was selling us toys. And then they there were serials based on all of this. So Robin Hood kind of looks, still looks better than that. So I'm going to give it that. Again, like I said, you, uh, you, you, the villain being a weaker villain is just because he's not dangerous. He's just spoiled, which is the same thing as Joffrey. Joffrey was only dangerous because he could wield power over people to do stuff. But he himself wasn't a dangerous person. He wasn't no. Ramsey. No. He Ramsey was dangerous. Uh, he was a little singer who would manipulate. Yeah. So, uh, the only negative, really, the biggest negative I can say about the Robin Hood movie is, I have heard that this is this movie was directly responsible for creating a lot of the furry movement, and that's just not okay, kids. I'm sorry. Don't. I. I will never <laughs> defend that. And I know people who have flat out said that. So, for the love of God, if if that's you. That's cool. Please don't flood the comments and tell me that you're part of it because I like having listeners and I don't want to block you. Just <laughs> stop. And I just got the heebie-jeebies over here, so thank yeah, you. Yeah, a lot of little girls crushed on Robin Hood. So let's go ahead and move on. <laughs> All right, we got five more movies to talk about here. Uh, the next one I'm going to talk about is a little bit of an oddity because it came at a weird time. And I don't think it really held up and really left any much of an impact. It's okay, 
but there are parts of it that I feel deserve a little bit more recognition and then other parts that I'm like, okay, yeah, this is why people didn't like this. And that's 2003's Brother Bear. Ooh, okay. I think it's a, it's a weird case because you can't say it's a bad movie, but you can't say it's a good movie. You can definitely say it's a movie. So, <laughs> so it's got that going for it. I think the thing it's... is that it's it's painfully average for the era that it came in because it came after the 90s resurgence with all the beautiful animation, vivid storytelling, and amazing songs. And this one doesn't really have any of that. The animation is okay. Phil Collins with Brett. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, we'll get to that. Don't worry. <laughs> um, it's a Northern Canada story. So, you know, you got the Northwest Territories and everything. For for people in Yellowknife, I'm sure that that was a big deal. Cause... <laughs> but, you know, it's... Uh... It's the post-Ice Age world where the natives are ruling the land. They're guided by spirit animals. So it's got a, it's got a good North American vibe to it. But I guess I, I just think that because Pocahontas did better as a well, – not as a historic interpretation, but as a movie, it was just better. And when people – I feel like when people watch this, they it's probably too much Pocahontas for it. But, for uh, me, the, the saving grace of Brother Bear is the cast – because you have yes. now Oscar winner Joaquin Phoenix, Rick Moranis, and Dave Thomas. Yup. Yeah. Couple of hosers over there. <laughs> Michael Clark Duncan. Yeah. Greg Proops. Yeah. I mean, oh, it, it's yeah. a good cast. The cast is, is anyway right there. Yeah. yeah. The cast is the best part. I mean, Dark Helmet and Lewis Tully himself is right. <laughs> and this was what Rick Moranis is. He kind of came out to do this because of his yeah. Canadian heritage, but yep. yeah. went back into hiding, but we're getting him back soon. So yeah, he's coming back for, uh, the, for uh, shrunk. Honey, the yep. audience, or honey, I shrunk the kids reboot. Yep. Shrunk. He's coming back for it. We're getting Rick Moranis back. We're getting Rick Moranis back. Hey, for the rare role of Rick Moranis, that puts this movie up several notches here. And I like Dave Thomas, but once I realized Rick Moranis was in it, I didn't give a crap about Dave Thomas because I was too focused on Rick Moranis. But two, Just, two the, can the run two of them together to me always reminds me of the movie Strange Brew. So yeah, uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, two two can run are the best part of the movie. Uh, the story's really not bad. It's got a, it's a little by the numbers for a redemption story, but it's it's very interesting because it's all about uh. It's I, I, I'm I'm terrible at pronunciation, and I can't always remember. I think it's Kenai is the pronunciation. The youngest of the three brothers. I believe so. Yeah, that sounds know. right. <clears throat> he doesn't like the totem he was given for a spirit animal because in his culture bears are nuisances, and his distrust of them escalates because he chases a bear down for stealing salmon and ends up losing his older brother Sitka in the battle. Kenai murders the bear, but the great spirits transform him into a bear himself. And now he has to convince his other brother, Denehi, who wants to kill this bear because he thinks it killed Kenai. So it's basically several different revenge plots that are happening, especially when little Coda gets involved. And you, <laughs> uh, Coda's a little annoying 
but he's kind of supposed to be because he's the little brother. Yeah. And he's a uh, he's actually uh he's I mean he becomes kind of redeemable. His song isn't isn't really anything to write home about. But uh this movie also taught me that a group of bears is called a sleuth. Oh, yeah. I <laughs> so, did not know that. So there's some education in here, too. And when Coda realizes his mother is missing and learns in horror this was the bear that Kanai killed, and Kanai realizes this, and then, of course, he's got to bring Coda back. But it's his act of selflessness and saving Coda that gets Sitka's eagle spirit to return Kanai to his human form. And then, of course, Kanai makes the ultimate choice that we always have in Disney movies. You know, Hercules decides to remain immortal. You know the story. He, or uh, I, I'm sure Jasmine would have become a, a street urchin, too, if it meant she could have stayed with Aladdin. But Kanai decides that Koda needs him more and becomes a bear. So in the end, everybody ends up likable, and it's a good redemption story. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, it's just it's low on the list because there's not a lot of stuff to it, and it kind of came out at a point where it really was kind of forgettable because Disney kind of after the '90s Disney kind of fell off the wheels again until the resurgence with Princess and the Frog and Tangled, where Disney rose to prominence again, which is where we are right now. Because Disney, I'm, I think with this one, I'm also gonna say I think. It feels. Remember the DreamWorks animated movie Spirit. I think this film doesn't come off like a Disney movie. It comes off more like maybe a DreamWorks animation movie. <laughs> and you and you thought I was going to get heat for bringing up SpongeBob. Oh whatever. <laughs> You're that bringing was the up one DreamWorks. That actually brought up SpongeBob. Oh, yeah. yeah. You're bringing and up DreamWorks. Spirit is a good movie for all those Disney people who want to explore something outside the studio. I have never seen it, but I will. T- I will check it out. It's yeah, on Hulu can... if you have it. I do. Okay, I could see that. Yeah. yeah, I think it's just it's not an immortal Disney classic, but I will say this. Uh, I think it's worth your time to watch if you've never seen it. Give it a try. I like the Phil Collins song, um, Look Through My Eyes. I think it's a good, like, nature-loving song. Yeah, but his his good stuff was in Tarzan. Oh, no arguments there. <laughs> but well, was, I, I, feel yeah. like, I feel like Look Through... Um, look through your eyes song maybe was on the b side of tarzan that they couldn't use so they put it in brother bear there you go look through your eyes what do you see the cult of personality oh it's clobbering time (laughs) (laughs) shout out to cm punk yeah it's it was fun i i just think that like if you're when it comes to the wilderness setting bambi and pocahontas just did it so much better and their animation pops more than this one so I think I think Brother Bear was just part of the. Uh, it's it's a victim of its own release time. It's yeah. uh, it kind of falls under the radar in that respect. It's unfortunate, but not too bad. Uh, let's talk about number forty four. This is going to be the first sequel on the list because most sequels go directly to video and Disney Tunes takes them over. Not the Rescuers though. Their sequel made it to the big screen in nineteen ninety. And we got the return of Bob Newhart and Eva Gabor reprise their roles as Bernard and Bianca. Not as good as the first one, which obviously is why we're talking about it first. 
I'm kind of mad at you right now, but go oh, ahead. Oh, do you like this one better than the first one? Um, you know what? I actually think I will, um, no, go on. Finish yours. I'll chime in later. Go. Okay. Okay. Um, first of all, I'm glad that they took a chance by giving a franchise a sequel. I think you could have done worse with the, uh, than the rescuers. I think there was a lot more story to talk about. Um, we're taken to the Australian outback and it does expand upon the original adventure and the series of novels that it was based off of. So there's positives there. We get the voice actors back, although this was Eva Gabor's final film. Hmm. <clears throat> so my favorite new character, of course, is the fact that, well, if Orville's not here, we'll bring in Wilbur. <laughs> Voiced by the legendary John Candy, which mm-hmm. definitely makes him not only the funniest character in the in the movie, although some of his scenes do get a little overbearing, but that's also because it's Disney animation humor, not John Candy humor. Yeah. I mean, for God's sakes, that surgical team needs to give leave this guy alone. He did not need to get probed that many times. <laughs> <laughs> um, and of course, I love Bob Newhart. Bob Newhart is such a such a classic actor. He's so good. He, uh, I, I it's funny cause I always wondered if his, uh, his constant, like, well, uh, my, 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 my little, uh, my little stutter here is it's, I think that's just him cause yeah. he does it in everything I, he's in, even including Newhart. So <laughs> I think if you ever want to study acting of someone who has can do so little and make it so funny, Bob Newhart, he was my favorite guest star in the big bang theory. I was just going to, I was thinking of a way to do a Professor Proton joke in here. Yeah. (laughs) Look, Professor Proton and I are friends. No, a friend would have told me about the broken elevator. (laughs) Uh, Is he dangerous? No. Actually, he's a genius. That doesn't answer my question. (laughs) Bob Newhart was so good. My favorite is in one of the outtakes. You see one of the, the directors comes on set and whispers something to him about what to do. And he just yells at him and he goes, I'm 83 years old. What do you want from me? And everybody's just <laughs> laughing their asses off. Bob Newhart's the I'm, best. I'm going to give him a shout out for the movie In and Out with Kevin Klein and Tom yep. Selleck. Um, he he is hilarious in that supporting role. Nah, he's Yeah, he's good. Plus, he's, uh, he's Buddy the Elf's dad. Yep. Oh. <laughs> you can't forget about that. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> so the biggest negative why this movie falls below the original is mostly because of Jack. I don't like that character. We already established Bernard and Bianca together. Did we really need a smooth-talking, stereotypical Aussie mouse to just constantly interrupt them? Did we really need that? We did, because someone had to show them around the land down under. Where but, he, the, but he didn't have to hit on, They showed up together, and he just mercilessly hits on her. What a jerk. Well, <laughs> I'm, I, I was about to defend him. Like, wait, Go, no, go for not it. Defending, <laughs> not, not defending a guy hitting on a taken woman. But then again, also, he doesn't know that. He just sees this uh, um, lady from the city. And he's like, ooh, who's this? Maybe she'll like some Vegemite and a sandwich. So Yeah, well, that doesn't happen. <laughs> so, But, no, I, I think his character is needed for the story. Um, it, it's kind of like the, 
city slickers element. You have these city folk who are brought to a land they don't know. They have to have someone show them around. Yeah. And then when he does have his change of heart, there's not really any build-up to it. It's just like, oh, okay, well, I'll just back yeah. off. It's just kinda, It just kind of happens. <laughs> I think I'll go with the first one. It makes more sense for the agents to be involved in this that mission. This mission, I kind of go, you didn't have someone closer that could have maybe yeah. helped? Uh, I, I think that's one argument I could make. Okay. Well, I'll say this. I think Penny was more likable than Cody, but I liked McLeach more than Medusa. Oh, yeah. So I will say that. I think Percival C. McLeach, by the way, George C. Scott. So. Yeah. um, He is a leech, definitely, and he's a poacher, so we only kind of dislike him based on what he is and Joanna. See, I love that relationship. Like, where I remember when Joanna eats the eggs, and he's like, Did you eat my egg? And it's just a humorous, funny scene with George C. Scott. It's just, it's good stuff. But I think that's my problem. I like the villain too much, and I kind of wanted to see him beat, get, kick the crap out of this little kid. <laughs> oh, damn, Chris. Tell us um, how you really feel. I know. Well, <laughs> I have two. Two other big problems I do have with the film. There's two areas of closure we just do not get. One is that we see Cody's mom gets presented with his backpack, retrieved yes. from a river full of crocodiles, and we never get to see Cody go home. So what, what, by the time the credits are rolling, she still thinks her son's croc chow. And I think that, uh, you know, a two, five to ten seconds of just him, like, hugging his mom in the background over the credits would have been nice. Also, did those animals ever get rescued? I mean... It's in the title. <laughs> no, the ones that McLeach had. We, oh. don't, we never find out. I mean, if McLeach is dead, then that means they're all going to die in the cages. I want some resolve, damn it. All this hassle over a frickin' egg. A damn egg. But, like I said, that's the negative on it. I love Bernard and Bianca. I think they work as great characters. They have excellent chemistry together. You yeah. know, you're rooting for Bernard to propose the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> you're just... You know what? Hey, Disney Plus, if you're out there listening, and I highly recommend you listen to the show because why wouldn't you? But can we get a uh, Rescuers TV show? Oh, it'd be amazing. Yeah, the problem is Ava's gone. John Candy's gone. Well, Bob he... Newhart's not going to be around forever. You can bring it, well, bring it up to date for a new generation, like with DuckTales, you know? True. You could do it. Yeah. You could even Chris, make it a... That. Yeah, okay, I'll start writing it and present it to him. Uh, the only other... The unfortunate thing about Rescuers Down Under is where it fell in line. It's between yeah. Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast, so it's yeah. just... It's it, it, it had no chance at that point. It had no chance. Yeah had no chance so it, it's not even recognized in the 1990 renaissance little mermaids recognized and that's an 80s film <laughs> and it's, oh my god i didn't even think about that yeah movie. and it's right wow but, what, but when they call it the disney research renaissance of the 90s the first movie they always talk about is little mermaid which is not a 90s movie this one Technically just, just, it's not but it's november so it's as close 
<laughs> yeah, well, I was born in November 84. That doesn't make me an 85, baby. <laughs> I'm, still an, I'm still an 84, <laughs> baby, damn it. Yeah, where's Dan, Dan Peck? If you're listening to this, he was born December 15th. Does that make him the next year up? Oh, damn. Here comes Chris's roast. <laughs> All right. I'm from Jersey, so. <laughs> Jersey rain is oh, happening Jer- Jersey right rain happened. But, uh, I'll, again, like Brother Bear, if you've never seen it, watch the Rescuers movies. I like the first one better, but like Mark said, Mark's not the only one I've heard who prefers the second one. So, by all means, watch them I, both. It's a, it's a large-scale adventure. I will say that the first one is a better film. The second one I had more fun with because it was more of an adventure tale. The first one, I think, would be more of a detective story. Okay. So. I can I can stipulate to that, and I don't have any issues with that whatsoever. So, well, good, <laughs> good, all right, all right, fine. Damn. All right, next movie again. Nothing really negative to say about it. It's another sequel. Uh, technically speaking, it's a sequel. <laughs> I think it's a sequel. I mean, it's 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 the the follow up to Fantasia. Can we put it that way? Fantasia two thousand. So it's not Fantasia 2, it's 2000, because we have to do that gimmick. Because it came out in the the slew end of 1999, so it's just like, oh, well, it's going to be <laughs> for 2000, We're gonna, and it's going to get a theatrical release on New Year's Day, so it's going to be part of the new millennium. It's just like, all right, I get it, 2000, god damn it. It's like WrestleMania 2000, which was WrestleMania 16. Yep, never like that. <laughs> or... Or, or or like the first four episodes of South Park season four all were called something two thousand <laughs> was the title of everything. Yeah, that was part of the gimmick. It's almost like having a new video game console and making the number in the console in all of your games. Nintendo, you would never do that, right? <laughs> and that's one of my favorite consoles too. But but did they not learn a lesson from what they did for Super Nintendo? This isn't Star Wars. This is Super Star Wars. <laughs> super Bomberman. Yeah, it's Fantasia 2000. It's a sequel. It's yeah. uh, it's the follow-up. And basically what they did was they kind of rehashed the old Fantasia with the or the idea behind it. They brought in new celebrities, including Bette Midler, Angela Lansbury, James Earl Jones, Steve Martin, and my favorite comedy magic duo of all time, Penn & Teller. And uh, they did a new Fantasia. It's uh, yeah. I was super skeptical about watching this. And even though it's not as classic as the original, it's good. It does, it, it does the job well. It's a new Fantasia for a new audience, new animation. Donald gets, gets, a, <laughs> gets a spotlight again. He gets biblical. He sure as hell does. <laughs> um, this is where I'm going to get the hate mail. Because I don't like either of the Fantasias. Ooh. Okay. Well, save your your Fantasia <laughs> da- downplay. Save the uh, the hatred for it when we talk about the original. Because I'll, right. I'll, well, that'll give everybody a teaser. <laughs> if you want to hear, I, <laughs> I want to ask everyone at home: Did anyone else jump when the phoenix awoke in the volcano, or was it just me as a kid? Like no. every time. It's like quiet, and then the like, um, not cymbals. It's, no, oh, whatever it is, the instrument just bangs really loud when the eye opens. Oh yeah, and 
Well, I think that was the point, though. Yeah, and I just remember, oh, I just wanted to make sure I wasn't the only one who uh, gets a little startled on that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because Disney, well, Disney does like scaring children, so I, I don't think that's going to be. <laughs> yeah. Disney you know has what, no problem though, scaring children, so. I, I, I love the song Bohemian and Rhapsody, um, and they, they use that in the movie. I actually dig Fantasia 2000 quite a bit. I think the um, Humpback Whale animation one is a beautiful animated segment. All the animation is beautiful. It's just that it's not as, it's just not as memorable as the first one. It's... Oh, totally agree. I mean, the <laughs> flamingo with the uh, the yo-yo. yo-yo. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the swarm of bats tracing abstract colors. That's a giant acid trip. I, no arguments there. I like the 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 uh, swinger era New York City part though. Yeah, that's the Bohemian Rhapsody one. Yeah, the one-legged toy soldier. Oh, sorry. Oh my God, the, not Bohemian <coughs> Rhapsody. God, I just had a strike right there with my song. Mistake. Yeah, we we've all now had a big strike on this episode. It, so Rhapsody in Blue. Rhapsody yes. in Blue. There we go. Sorry, Queen fans. I didn't mean to get you excited. <laughs> Jeff? Yes. That's my <laughs> band. I was going to let it go. but Because yeah. I would have yeah. made the same mistake, too. Because yeah. I can't hear the word Rhapsody without thinking Bohemian. Sorry. I was a little under pressure trying to think of that song. Don't stop me now, okay? All right, guys, the show must go on, all right? You are not the champion. (laughs) Uh, All right, well. You're right, I'm the killer queen. Hey, Fantasia 2000 will rock you, so. (laughs) By the way, that jack-in-the-box is terrifying. (laughs) Oh, my God. Nightmares right there. Nightmare-inducing. But, no, I think the the Donald Duck, the Donald Duck as uh, Noah is... Like on the arc, I, it's probably my favorite part, and I'm really not a religious person, but I do enjoy seeing Donald and Daisy in the spotlight. Plus, they do pomp and circumstance, which yeah. triggers either two memories: one, your graduation, or two, Macho Man Randy Savage, <laughs> <laughs> who I told you was going to pop up in this episode. <laughs> I just, I love that they were like, "You, we know you think of graduation, but that's not why this song was written. We're going to actually use it for something else." Yeah, well, it's true. It's, it wasn't written as a graduation song. It just got incorporated like that. But yeah, it's uh, plus it's it's Donald. He's his fun antics and everything. It's you you can put Donald in almost any situation, and the story basically writes itself. And so. he gets run over by a couple animals. It's funny. It's yeah. always funny. Now I I love the Sorcerer's Apprentice, which is one of my favorite Disney shorts ever done. I don't think it was necessary to just bring it back. I feel yeah. like they should have done a sequel to it. Like, here's Mickey's next Ooh. adventure as a sorcerer. So I didn't mind seeing it again, but that's that was a couple of strikes against it because I've already seen it and I wanted to see something new. And I think Mickey as a sorcerer has potential. I mean, have ever, everybody been to Mickey's PhilharMagic? <laughs> oh, yeah. I love it. Yes, it, it's <laughs> got potential. And once again, uh, if anyone from Disney out there is listening, uh, please see Chris O'Mealy for a sequel to The Sorcerer's Apprentice. Yeah, I'll get on that. Uh, yeah, no, it was fun. It's just, it's uh, it's not as memorable as the original, and I don't think people look back on it with super fond memories, because it wasn't, it wasn't revolutionary like the original one was. 
or for whatever reasons Jeff will tell you about when we get to it. <laughs> we'll get to that though. All right, I got two. I, mean, I know we are. I got two more movies to talk about, and I know the next one might sound controversial, but I'm gonna break it down for you guys. It's a princess. It it's a princess movie, guys. We're getting Ooh. to a princess movie, and it's not the worst princess. It's not the worst prince. It's far from being the worst villain. It's one of the best villains, but the story itself as a whole, is kind of meh. And it's one of those ones you gotta go back and look at uh, the argument back for Dumbo. It's another one where people remember things and pieces, but if you put it all together, you'll realize why it's so low on the list. And that's Sleeping Beauty from 1959. I, I was trying to, in my head, go, where's it going? Oh, yep, it's gonna be Sleeping Beauty. Oh, yeah. Go back and rewatch the movie as a whole and you'll realize that you could probably cut 30 to 45 minutes of the movie out and yeah. make it a classic. <laughs> it's just, it overall, the story just isn't that good. But the animation's great. The music is great. I mean, Once Upon a Dream is one of the best songs ever come out of a princess movie. Yep. And uh, Aurora, it's not like Aurora is an unlikable character. You know, she's a fine princess. It's just that she spends a decent part of the movie asleep. So what are you supposed to do? <laughs> she... <laughs> at least at least there are no dwarves kissing her corpse in the woods. Oh. Creepy! <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, and there's, <laughs> nothing, there's nothing wrong with Philip. He's a good prince. He's a hero. He's brave. And yeah. every Maleficent is going to go down in history as one of Disney's most powerful villains. She's always the focal point, whether it's shows or games or stories. It's always Maleficent is the the head mostly just because uh horn king's under the radar and chernabog is m not really a character so much as basically a mountainous demon come to life right maleficent's actually a character and she is so powerful and so evil for the most petty reason ever how yep. dare you not invite me to this party <laughs> <laughs> And here's here's the it's either the best thing about it or the worst thing about it is she overpowers both the main character of Sleeping Beauty and the prince. She's a better character than the two of them combined. I think the answer yeah. to that is yes. There's more depth. It's good and bad. Maleficent definitely. That's why we got a, actually a really good spin-off book and movie from it. Well, that's Two the only movies. thing is I I can't yeah. take those movies into consideration for this. No, 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 no. Yeah, no, but, not at all. I was just giving yeah, a yeah. shout out. No, I get it, but because, but again, even taking them out of the equation, I still like this Maleficent. Yeah, and I'm not supposed yeah. to like her. Yeah. What the hell? It's I, just that voice <clears throat> with her, like the voice and the character, just uh, good stuff. And I mean, Aurora is an icon, but. To fast forward a little bit to a movie we'll talk about eventually, which is uh, Ralph Breaks the Internet, which has the famous scene with all the princesses. <laughs> which princess does the least and has the least amount of dialogue? Aurora. There's a reason for that. Because even in that setting, they couldn't find anything interesting for her to say or do. And yeah. I think that that does speak volumes here. And I'm not, I'm not trying to strike against her as a character, but she's the least interesting character out of all of them because the three fairies all have personalities 
the prince has a personality way more so than either of the prince charmings that we've gotten. Philip's way more interesting than either of them. But I feel like the entire first act is a drag affair. It is slow. And then once the action starts, it quickens the pace and becomes exciting. And that's done in like 20 minutes. <laughs> and it's just like, oh, okay. So Maleficent's dead. Okay. <laughs> so what Oof. happened now? Yeah, don't cast your stones and spells at me for putting Sleeping Beauty so low. Go back and actually watch the movie and cycle through it. and you, I think you're going to kind of realize. Now, 50s and 60s movies as a whole weren't always paced in an exciting way. But watch Sleeping Beauty from 1959 and then go back and watch Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. And the pacing is almost identical. In fact, I think yeah. Snow White actually moves along at a brisker pace for being a movie from the 30s. I mean, you can watch you can watch The Wizard of Oz and see a brisker pace than this one. So, I don't know. But like I said, there's not there's not a whole lot of negative to say about it. It's just that I think it's one everybody remembers Maleficent turning into a dragon. Everyone remembers, you know, the iconic thing of, you know, she falls asleep and the spinning wheel and everything and and the three fairies I, I do like them constantly arguing over what color the dress is until the very end when it just changes colors because forget <laughs> they've just had enough. Yeah. But yeah, I will just... say the animation for that movie is beautiful, especially oh, yeah. the remastered editions. I think that's one of the most beautiful animated Disney movies ever. Plus, uh, we were talk- oh, we, we mentioned uh, Maleficent's voice being creepy. It was Eleanor Audrey, or Audrey, yeah. sorry. Who is also Lady Tremaine, the wicked stepmother? Yes. So yeah. you get the same voice out of it too. And if you you thought Lady Tremaine was bad, take her and put her in a supervillain setting instead of just instead yeah. of just a, a lazy aristocrat. Aristocrat, yeah. aristocrats are coming though. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it's bad when your villain's the most interesting part of your movie. But I'll say this: the climactic battle is amazing. It's uh it is only 15 minutes. It's the final 15 minutes. Um and I'll make a comparison to the next movie we're going to talk about, which will be the last movie we're going to talk about for this list in the number 41 spot, but it's another example where a lot of the excitement happens at the end and it takes a while to get there. Uh but this one's just got too much too much filler you could probably take out. I mean, there's a lot of just Aurora at the cottage with the fairies that's not that interesting. So I uh, can't say too much about it, but yeah, some of Disney's best animation, Once Upon a Dream is incredible, the villain's incredible, just too much filler to put it any higher on the list. No arguments here. Yeah. yeah. I think you'll uh, definitely get some people saying, how dare you put Sleeping Beauty so low, but at the same time, your arguments are, are pretty strong. <laughs> well, I can't take anything against its cultural impact, I just... Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Well, we'll get to our last movie. Number 41 on my list. And again, this is a perfect example of a movie that's only low because I just liked other stuff more than it. It's not a bad movie. It's actually pretty damn fun and has one of my favorite characters in it. But like Sleeping Beauty, it's got a weird pacing issue that kind of takes you out of the story sometimes. But when you get back into it, it's really good. And it was the first time I'd ever seen it before, believe it or not. So... I was I was actually kind of surprised, and that was 1963's classic tale, Sword in the Stone. Merlin is Aww. awesome. 
Merlin is so friggin' awesome. He I is. Love me some sword in the stone. Merlin is. Merlin is. Well, let's see. He's the most famous wizard of all time. That's why there's an order named after him that Dumbledore is a part of. <laughs> Merlin's beard. Yep. <laughs> Merlin's beard. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I wouldn't say he's as as funny as Gandalf, because Gandalf's got some pretty good lines in there. But he is a very fun, interesting character, and he makes this movie. Arthur is a little bit of a whiny little kid. But yeah. Merlin... But the best part is uh, it's all of Merlin's uh, lessons that he teaches him, where he almost makes lets him get killed, and he's just so <laughs> oblivious to the fact that he almost let this little kid die just because he's trying to teach him a lesson like i'm gonna turn you into a fish these other fish are gonna eat you but while you're escaping from them allow me to just sit here and quote literature to you so not all, he's a he's an eccentric yeah. but he's also a shitty babysitter you, don't let merlin you also, watch your kid you also had an epic wizard battle there yes uh watch out Voldemort and dumbledore well I don't even want to talk it's not about that far. I know, I know. I, I got a little excited. My bad. Voldem- Voldemort sucks, by the way. <laughs> Voldemort <laughs> is actually a pretty shitty villain, and we'll you get to name. You damn right, I did. <laughs> you think I'm scared of that idiot? Look, anybody who could have ended the life of an infant by tossing him out a window and is just like, nope, I'm going to use magic. Oh, damn. Any villain that you can play, I got your nose and win. It really is not a strong villain. <laughs> Yeah, and <laughs> Harry Potter fans out there, you can see Chris O'Mealy with any comments or concerns. Oh no, so no, no! Lots and lots of Harry Potter fans agree with me that Voldemort's actually pretty damn lame. <laughs> Just like Snape is annoying. You're banned from this podcast. Oh, I have a problem now. All right, well, when we <laughs> do our... my podcast to ban you, but <laughs> <laughs> when we do those Harry Potter episodes, we'll have a debate about that one. All right. All right. So let's go with uh, let's go with Sword in the Stone here. Like I said, yep. it's 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 another one. It's got a weird pacing to it, but unlike Sleeping Beauty, there's less filler. It's just more weirdness. And Merlin is a great wizard, but he's also an old man, and he's also <clears throat> he's in he lives in seclusion. So of course he's going to be an eccentric. <laughs> he's a he's a hermit for God's sake. I love I love him just dancing stuff into his magic bag. And just mm-hmm. having, like, the best time in it. So, yeah, Arthur's going to be the kid who rules England, as says on Excalibur, whoso pulleth out the sword of the stone and <laughs> anvil is rightwise king, born in England. And this is the kid we get? Ugh. Oh. <laughs> oh, he's so whiny. God, it's like, it's like, it's like young Jason Todd. <laughs> he's, <laughs> he's, he's a, he's a whiner. Well, he's a kid. So I'll I'll cut him a little bit of slack, but the freaking kid from Rescuers Down Under was kicking some ass, even though he was whiny. But yeah, Arthur gets Arthur gets better. Stop, <laughs> stop writing your emails right now. And let me finish. Arthur's <laughs> getting better. He is a kid and he is obnoxious, but he does he he definitely earns the nickname Wart. I'll give I'll say that he earns that <laughs> nickname. Also, what's something I kind of kick out of is they went through three different actors for the role, so his voice just keeps changing, <laughs> and that does get yeah. a little distracting, but uh, they did what they could. I mean, he does squire his stepbrother in a contest of jousting, 
and is where he starts, and by the end, he's king. So, uh, does he, anybody else? Can I nominate the when he's a squirrel and then he becomes a boy again, breaking the one squirrel's heart as one of the most heartbreaking scenes in a Disney movie? Can uh, I nominate that? Yeah, sure. Okay. Well, so what there. you're saying is he just can't wait to be king? <laughs> the, best, the worst part is, is Merlin doesn't even give him an explanation. It's like, the squirrel's upset, and Merlin's like, why? It's like, he could have at least said, I'll tell you when you're older. Yep. <laughs> we'll have that talk later. We'll <laughs> have that talk later. See these birds and bees here? Not important. <laughs> yeah, he puts Arthur through the freaking ringer. <laughs> and yeah. it's... But... You know what? His bravery tests do actually work here. <clears throat> but, and he keeps saying, oh, oh, I forgot to turn off my enchanted dishes. So that's why he's condemned for using black magic on them. He's so brilliant and he's so powerful, but he's such a freaking old fool. Because that's what happens when you're a hermit. That he literally forgets that he's using magic and thus he's going to get murdered. <laughs> But yeah, the best part is the is the last 15 minutes of the movie because him and Madam Mim, Mad Madam Mim, I should say, give her the proper name. They have the wizard's duel and it's it's so much fun because she's like, I promise I'm not going to do this. He goes, okay, and then he transforms and then she transforms like, ah, I did it because I lied. <laughs> um, I have a problem here. How come there's no Madam Mim merchandise in any of the stores? Um, Why don't we... It's You'll find pins out there. There's it's pins. hard. Yeah. yeah, that I think that's unfortunate. Can we get some Madam Mim merch out there? And f- for that matter, can we get Sword in the Stone a little more recognition? It there is, we go. Yes, please. It is a classic tale. But Disney doesn't really pay this one as much mind other than just using Merlin for any time they need a wizard. And having the sword in the stone for a photo opportunity at the Magic I was Kingdom. just going to say, at least yeah. it's there for, you know, at least it's in the parks somewhat. But they never really rehashed this stuff before, and I kind of think that's it's unfortunate. And I don't care how much of a rush I'm in. If I'm in Magic Kingdom and I walk by, I'm trying to pull the sword out. There you go. Yeah, so this is basically Arthur. It's basically Arthur and his supporting cast of characters falling short under Merlin and Madame Mim. So, but again, if you watch this just for Merlin, you're going to be very entertained. He's a he's an interesting character. He's fun, and that the the villains duel the the wizard duel is pretty damn funny. Because Madame Mim keeps cheating, but she loses anyway. So, yeah. but but uh. The very end, when they finally get to Arthur's coronation, it's almost like they ran out of budget, so they rushed through it. And I'm like, really? Yeah. We can't We can't at least get a little more payoff to that? And it's just like, Arthur is now king! Hurrah! At the end. What the fuck? <laughs> like, what, what happened? <laughs> it's like two minutes. Well, we know that's really what happened. I mean, think about it's, it. It is possible. I don't, I don't know my history that well. Of, of, I don't know my British royal history that much, but... That wraps up 50 to 41. There Ooh. we go, guys. That was uh, the next 10 on the list. Now, there's still 40 movies to go. And have I talked about your any of your favorites yet? Are they still lingering out there? Are they going to be in the, the upper echelon? Are we going to get past 30 and get to that upper tier? And you'll be like, ooh, I still haven't heard my favorite. I'm getting excited now. My, my top five have not been mentioned yet. 
Okay. Well, again, uh, we'll we'll give a couple of quick previews as to what you're going to expect from the the, the future stuff here. Um, a lot of what's coming in the next part will again going to be going back to movies that I either hadn't seen before, so they didn't resonate as well, and that's why they're sort of lower where they are. They're not bad movies because again, we're out of the negatives now. We're in the positives. I mean, I'll still I'll still say negative stuff about some of my top tier movies, just not as much. So, and. I'll I'll leave you with this. I, I'll tell you where it turns out on the list, but you guys might be surprised as the movie I hadn't seen before doing this project and where it actually ends up on the list might actually surprise people. It might actually be in the top 20, believe it or not, because I liked it that much. But most of the stuff I hadn't seen beforehand is kind of fallen by the wayside. But again, it's uh, we're going to get to that stuff. We're going to talk about it. We're going to... There's not too much more negative to say, but... Uh, I'll just say this, some, not all, but some of the characters, places, and settings, and time periods that we just talked about will probably show up again in the next ten. So that's something to look out for. And maybe you guys can start guessing, for those of you at home who've got the list of movies, you can cross them off the list as I talk about them. And maybe get surprised when you realize what's left as we get towards that top 20. And be like, well, damn. I didn't expect that to be as high as it is, especially when we get towards the pretty much 25 onward is going to get hard because that's where I start really liking stuff. And I'm just like, wow, even I put this low, but I look at what's above it and I'm like, it, it has to be here. So it'll get a little bit tougher, but the next part will be another run of uh, mostly positive, but still a decent amount of negative to put it on the list stuff here. But thank you guys. For once Thank again for being part yeah, of this. For... And uh, we will try to get another part out of Chris Ranks the Universe, Disney Animation Studios Films. We'll try to get another part out for you guys next weekend as you all have nothing better to do than to listen to podcasts, read books, and watch Disney movies. So there you go. Go find all the source material this stuff is based on. Read it. Watch the movie. Come listen to the podcast and have fun. And while you're at it, check out everything else at CKCC Radio. Dot podbean.com you can subscribe you can like us on facebook follow us on twitter and make sure you check out everyone else's awesome stuff here if you're into movie reviews and blogs mark here has a blog that you can check out markedreviews.wordpress.com the long and the short in fact i just uh logged on here to see what your newest article was it's rko 281 and live from baghdad the hbo double feature Ooh. yep and they'll actually be a new posting as soon as we get off the air here i'll have a new one coming up tonight there you go so after you guys listen to this head over to marksreviews.wordpress.com and you can see the latest and look at mark in his captain america hoodie with a big old smile on his face yes <laughs> and of course, Jeff, where can people pick up your fine books? Like you said, they're all available on Amazon. Two of them you can even find at a barnesandnoble.com. Ooh. Now you do Very have nice. to you do have to ask for them. You have to special order them, but Correct. And by the way, uh I see here that if you get Kindle Unlimited, you can get all of your books for free. Yeah, my books are all available if you have Kindle Unlimited. They are all available right there as well. Yes. So you can you can start with Jeff's first 
story, Everything Comes Full Circle, and work your way up to Object of My Obsession, which was released the day before Valentine Valentine's Day Eve of 2020. Yeah, it was supposed to be available on Valentine's Day, but I put it up too early. So they're like, yeah, you can just put it. We'll just release it now. I'm like, oh, that works. Hey, that works because then you can check it out and, uh, <laughs> well, prepare yourself for uh, romance, <laughs> I guess. And then my, uh, I'll have another uh, Ranking Tracks episode up tomorrow where we do An Innocent Man by Billy Joel. Ooh, that's going to yeah. be good. That's going to be good. So, yeah, you guys can check out all of their material and stuff. They're the writers, podcasters, all that fun stuff, and everything on CKCC Radio. And you can listen to me a little bit more on Club Kayfabe Wrestle Talk, where we talk about the events of pro wrestling just covered this past week's WrestleMania two-night event from the Empty Performance Center. A very weird, bizarre WrestleMania for sure. And you can check me out on the Stupid Sexy Podcast, where Dan Peck and I review every Simpsons ever, a new episode coming this weekend. And that should be everything. Thank you guys for joining me. And let's sign off. Have a good one, everybody. Have fun. Stay safe. Woo, 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 woo. Take care, Spike. You know it. Take care, Spike your hair. We are out.